0: Learn what better writing can do for your company at Grammarly.com. Grammarly. Easier said, done.
1: part of where innovation, money, and power collide in Silicon Valley and beyond. This is Bloomberg Technology with Caroline Hyde and Ed Ludlow.
0: Ed Ludlow here in San Francisco. Caroline Hyde's off today. This. It's Bloomberg Technology coming up on the programme, full coverage of the tech companies making headlines from Virgin Galactic's spaceflight to Micron's earnings and even Coinbase calling for a dismissal of its SEC suit. We got you covered. Plus AI Video Startup Runway raising an additional 140 million from Google, NVIDIA and other investors. We have the exclusive interview with the CEO. And you may know him from Man vs. Wild, but now Bear Grylls is tackling disinformation and pushing for digital literacy using AI. He joins us later this hour to discuss his new initiative. Let's get a check in on the Micron. Micron giving a bullish outlook, suggesting that we are coming out of the trough when it comes from memory chips. But the market's not buying it. There is debate on the street about whether this recovery that Mike Rodden has outlined is going to happen, as they suggest. Let's get the reaction and the analysis and bring in Bloomberg's Mandeep Singh of Bloomberg Intelligence. Mandeep, the recovery, the trough, are you buying it?
2: Well, so they had some mixed data points. If you look at the guidance, clearly that was above consensus. But when you look at the inventory days uh, going up to 165 from 150, we thought uh, you know, their fiscal 2Q, the last quarter, was going to be the peak. So clearly, they're writing down less inventory. Last quarter, they wrote about $1.4 billion. This quarter, they only wrote $400 million of inventory. And they didn't give us enough data points around their generative AI exposure. They talked about how bandwidth, uh, high bandwidth memory, but they didn't give us like quantification of how much exposure it is, how it's gonna ramp. So that's why I would say it was a mixed quarter. But look, I mean, at the end of the day, there are three players in memory. And if generative AI is a secular tailwind and we are in the early innings, I I think uh, you could extrapolate that there will be memory demand just because uh, it goes hand in hand with the uh, chip and the compute capacity.
0: I love nerding out on DRAM and NAND. I always love nerding out on DRAM and NAND. The thing is, it's such a commoditized chip. And the story that Micron was trying to paint was that all of the laptop makers, PC makers, smartphone makers, They'd built up the inventory, and they'd worked through the inventory, and they were going to start ordering again. But actually, that kind of contrasted with the outlook for the markets. How many PCs we think will ship this year? How many smartphones we think will ship this year? What did you learn? Mandy, through Micron's commentary in that respect.
2: Yeah, so they lowered their PC shipment forecast for this year, Uh, smartphone shipment as well. Uh, They lowered it uh, by a couple of percentage points. So, look, uh, I think near term, given their high exposure to PCs and smartphones, that makes up almost 70% of you know their DRAM sales. So, you could argue that uh, given the high exposure they have to these two pockets, which are unlikely to recover in the second half, it makes sense you know, that uh, they, they still have work to do in terms of working through the inventory, and the orders aren't going to come back so soon. And they're cutting back supply, which I think is a positive. When you think about the dynamics of a commoditized space, Uh, the supply-demand balance is key. So they are uh, reducing their supply. They would hope Samsung and SK Hynix are doing the same. And what it could do down the line, you know, second half 2024 or 2025, is you could see a big pop in pricing because right now pricing declines are moderating, but no one is expecting prices to go up for memory. If the supply-demand balance is restored, you could see that pricing pop up given the tailwinds we are talking about from generative AI. Here on Bloomberg Technology,
0: we follow the DRAM. Mandeep Singh of Bloomberg Intelligence, thank you very much. So let's get out to New Mexico. Virgin Galactic officially launching and landing in the last few minutes its first ever commercial space flight. Bloomberg's Lauren Grush, space reporter-in-chief out there in New Mexico. Lauren, what just happened?
3: Well, actually, you just missed it. The crew just arrived back from their space flight here at uh, Spaceport America. Everyone's celebrating. You might be able to hear some cheers next to me at the moment. Uh, It's all smiles. It was a picture-perfect flight today. Unfortunately, you might see the clouds behind me. They did uh, obscure our view here from the ground, but everything went smooth during the actual flight.
0: Okay, so the context of this mission is it's the first commercial mission, the sixth in total that they've breached the 50-mile mark above Earth's atmosphere. It seems strange to kind of look so far ahead, but what's next? I mean, what is Virgin Galactic going to do? Because this is a company that has struggled for years, had some real tragedy, and is way behind its original schedule.
3: I mean, it really was leading all to this point, right? And so what happens next is they need to start launching regularly and then they need to up the frequency of their launches. So the plan at the moment is to do monthly launches here on out. The next one is scheduled for August. This Today's flight was a research mission with the Italian Air Force, but soon they're going to be opening up to that 800 uh, list of private astronauts that they signed up many years ago. So soon we might be seeing some, you know, high-earning uh, flyers fly uh, potentially as soon as August.
0: Okay, so the dual fuselage airplane takes the craft to 50,000 feet. They separate ignition, 70 second burn, 50 miles. What was that experience like on the ground? Is there nervousness <laughs> there at Spaceport America? How is your heart racing, Lauren?
3: Oh, definitely. There's a thing that I like to call launch nerves that happens with every single flight, whether it's a rocket that launches from the ground or one like Virgin Galactics that takes off from the air. Definitely in the seconds beforehand, you can feel the energy kind of start to to tighten on the ground. Um, We were hoping to see the ignition ourselves, but we didn't see it. However, we were able to watch it from the live stream. They had big cameras out here. And once that happened, you know, everyone just kind of let out that that relief and cheers and claps and and applause were happening. So it was a really special moment to be here among all of the employees who've worked really hard to get to this point because it has been a very long time in the making for them.
0: All right, Blumo's Lauren Grush on the ground in New Mexico. She messaged me in the moment and said, sonic boom, as it was coming back down. <laughs> Thank you for your live reporting. We'll stick with you throughout the day, I'm sure. Now, next up, Coinbase looking to get their SEC lawsuit dismissed, saying it lacks merit. Earlier, we spoke to the company's chief legal officer, Paul Gruhl. For an exchange uh, 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 commission, uh, to now claim two years later, more than two years later mm-hmm. that somehow we were running an unlawful enterprise when their mandate requires to consider the protection of investors, and their very name,, Seanally, requires them to apply their expertise in securities and exchanges it doesn't it doesn't it doesn 't make any sense. Oh. Let's bring in Bloomberg's Shanali Basak, who conducted that interview. Shanali, what else did you learn?
4: Yeah, a few things. First of all, remember, Coinbase's stock has been flying in the face of a lot of these crackdowns this year. It's up more than 100% ed this year. And at the same time, you have it up today as well. This is a more than 100-page response that Coinbase has filed against the SEC, saying that it intends to ask to dismiss this case, saying that it goes beyond existing law. Now, listen, one interesting part of this is the argument that they make about the SEC allowing for the IPO in the first place and going through the disclosure forms already. Our own Bloomberg reporter, Ali Verspil, makes this great point that a lot of securities experts wonder whether, you know, really this is about the SEC requiring disclosure more than uh, identifying the legalities inside of Coinbase's business, which lists more tokens now than it did at that time. It's certainly a very interesting case and a bellwether for so much of this industry. And it also, Ed, comes at the same time as Coinbase being listed as the custodian for BlackRock's ETF tied to spot Bitcoin. So really on two fronts here, one is a very tense story. Another one is one of hope that that will be approved, that Bitcoin ETF sometime soon.
0: So I'm looking at shares. We're up 2.4 percent in the session, right? They want the suit thrown out. So is this a real legal move? Or is this posturing in a bigger process?
4: Well, listen, not only do you have Paul Graywell, who's a chief legal officer, formerly worked at Facebook, seriously um, in tune with the innovative landscape out there, not his first rodeo. You also have them working with Sullivan and Cromwell, which is one of the biggest financial law firms in the world, tell more than a hundred-paid lawsuit. We've had them tell us a few times now that they would take this to the Supreme Court if need be. So they're very serious about fighting this to the end, no matter how much uncertainty that, that creates and in then interim.
0: All right, Bloomberg Shinali Bassak bringing us that reporting in exclusive conversation. Thank you. We will track that story. Now coming up on Bloomberg Technology, ChatGPT's OpenAI is being accused of stealing vast amounts of personal information for its artificial intelligence models. We'll bring you the latest on that next. I'm seeing some breaking news across the Bloomberg terminal. Pokémon Go maker Niantic is closing the studio and canceling the game. Niantic CEO announcing that move in a blog post. We will track that story. So many of you are tracking Pokemon Go. Some other breaking news, we are getting Savers Value Village opening price, $24.77. Its IPO was at $18 a share. So Savers Value Village opening at $24.70 a share, this discount store that's listing uh, and, and pricing in this morning's session. We will continue to track how that performs. We've had some energy, a little bit, in the IPO market in recent weeks. Wow, fast starts to the show. This is Bloomberg Technology.
5: What if everyone at work were an expert communicator?
0: Get back to that breaking markets news. Saver's Value Village opened at $24.77 a share, having priced its IPO at $18. That currently gives it a market cap of about $3.9 billion. We're trading in this moment at $24.40 a share, bouncing around. But it's interesting, some energy in the IPO market. This is the fifth biggest IPO of the year based on money raised. We talked about Carver, the fast casual restaurant chain with a Mediterranean slant, just a week ago, wasn't it? So we're seeing some some back, not so much the technology sector, but get on your Bloomberg terminal and that is what Savers Value Village looks like right now. Open in $24.77, trading $24.41 after pricing. At 18. All right, let's move on. It's time for talking tech. And first up, ChatGPT creator OpenAI is being accused of stealing vast amounts of personal information to train its artificial intelligence models. A 157-page lawsuit, plaintiffs are alleging OpenAI violated privacy laws by secretly scraping 300 billion words from the internet, tapping books, articles, websites, and posts, including personal information that was obtained without consent. We will continue to track that and seek OpenAI's comment. And Microsoft's CEO guaranteed that Activision Blizzard's top-selling Call of Duty title will stay on rival Sony's PlayStation. This comes after Microsoft called its own CEO and Activision's CEO to testify in San Francisco Federal Court that the company's $69 billion tie-up won't hurt competition in the markets for console, and subscription-based games. Plus, sticking with gaming, Sega dismissed speculation it may be the target of acquirers like Microsoft. The studio behind Sonic the Hedgehog stressed it intends to remain part of a bigger Japanese entertainment conglomerate. Co-COO Suji Utsumi told Bloomberg News while the game publisher maintains a close relationship with Microsoft, it is not open to acquisition talks. Well, we feel honored. I mean, they
6: at least you know, value us a lot. So, uh, you know, we, we still work closely with Microsoft. They always show, uh, you, know, uh, you know, our respect.
0: So uh, we've been, you know, uh, really ha- having, a, you know, I mean, good relationship with them and really appreciate that they, they, you know, somehow value us.
7: Does Sega have any
3: intention to be acquired?
0: No. Very simple answer. Not now. Let's get to another top technology story. Lena Khan's Federal Trade Commission has already filed three cases against Amazon. Now she's gearing up for the big one. In the coming weeks, the FTC plans to file an antitrust lawsuit focused on Amazon's core online marketplace. Joining us to talk more about this reporting is Bloomberg News' Leah Nyland. Leah, we've learned a lot. What are sources telling us?
8: Yeah, so we're expecting the big one uh, sometime later this summer, possibly as soon as next month. Um, This is a long-running FTC investigation that actually started four years ago this month. Um, Our story this morning actually got a look at the first information request the FTC sent to them, and it was very broad. It asked a lot of questions about their online marketplace, how they deal with third-party sellers, and the relationship they have with Apple over um, selling Apple products on the marketplace. Um, Over the past two years since Lina Khan uh, took over the FTC, they've really uh, focused a lot on Amazon. As you mentioned, they've now sued the company three times in the past month over consumer protection violations, but this one is sort of expected to be the really big one that takes aim at at Amazon's big moneymaker.
0: We're looking at shares of Amazon down 9 tenths of a percent in the session, but clearly a concern. When I read the story on Bloomberg.com, I thought a lot about Lena Khan. the the individual, what this means for her in her role at the FTC. What have you learned about how active and how involved she is in this process?
8: She's been very, very involved since taking over two years ago. Um, When she took over in June of uh, 2021, so two years ago this month, um, she sort of reorganized the entire way that the FTC has been looking at Amazon, um, including giving uh, the investigators some specific lines of questioning to sort of look into. She put a new person in charge of the case, um, a fellow academic by the name of John Newman. And they really bulked up the number of people who are involved in this case. The Trump administration had opened it, but they had really focused a lot of their resources in the case that the FTC brought against Meta. And uh, Khan has really move to focus the agency more on Amazon because she sort of believes that the, the Trump administration really didn't give it the attention that it deserved.
0: All right, Bloomberg's Leah Nyland with that exclusive reporting alongside our own Anna Edgerton. Check it out on Bloomberg.com. Right. The world's dealmakers are down roughly a trillion dollars in one of the worst years for takeovers and stock market listings in a decade. That's the year on year drop in the value of M&A and IPOs in the first half, a period in which inflationary pressures, financing constraints, geopolitical tensions. The list goes on. Nixed activity across regions and sectors that according to Bloomberg data, excluding COVID impacted 2020. It's the smallest first half total in a decade and below the average for the period. All right, let's stay global and bring in Sikinda Singh Cassidy, CEO of Xero, a cloud-based small business platform. It's based in New Zealand and bringing its accounting, payroll and workforce management solutions to customers globally. She's also advised some of the largest tech companies in the world like Google and Amazon. Good morning. Morning, Ed. Welcome to being technology. Thank you. When you heard that about the first half of this year, I go straight to thinking about what you've seen Mm -hmm. broadly. Think about all of your customers and the platforms you offer. You must get a pretty good lens into the health of the tech sector.
7: Uh, We certainly do. Actually, I think we get a a look into the health of the small business economy globally, because of course, Xero has over 3.7 million subscribers that are predominantly small businesses, call it 5 to 50 employees. And I think what we see is a pretty mixed picture. On the one hand, and I'm sure this is no surprise to you, on the one hand, you have rising inflation you know supply chain getting more expensive with that high interest rates but on the other hand still low unemployment rates new business formation is still happening and of course you have uh, talent shortages so uh, what we hear from our small businesses is this is a time of uncertainty and mixed signals but it's also a time where they really need to manage their cash pretty carefully. I'm
0: really interested in the company Uh, global Mm -hmm. customer base global footprint Australasian origins. <laughs> yes. You're here with me in San Francisco. What's that like?
7: Well, I think this is about the company uh, turning its attention globally. I mean, if you look at Zero, you know, the original disruptor really in cloud-based accounting started out of New Zealand from uh, Rod Drury, an ex-accountant himself, uh, but really has grown. The UK is our second biggest market. North America, obviously, um, a big home for small businesses worldwide and also uh, important for Xero. Uh,
0: we have to talk about the landscape. I think about QuickBooks as an example here in of the course. U.S., doing some battle with them?
7: <laughs> yeah, yes. Look, I think around the world, zero and QuickBooks uh, run into each other. I'm not different.
0: suggesting this is an Elon Musk, Mark Zuckerberg situation. Uh, I'm just saying. And quite frankly, that
7: is a total distraction for us. We care about uh, getting our business done for our customers. Yes, of course, we see them in every market, but I think the most important thing uh, to land is that for all of us in this area, the real big winner is just moving people from offline to online. Cloud adoption of small business Accounting is actually further behind things like website building, but it offers so much efficiency for small businesses. So we're all just trying to bring those small businesses online. I
0: think what we learned from the collapse of Silicon Valley Bank, which was in the context of payroll and banking, but under duress, small technology businesses as well, they they have to pivot and make changes. Is the tough macro environment kind of acting as a catalyst? among your customers to kind of change how they do business, use technology.
7: Of course. And it's a tale of two cities. First of all, if you are not a venture backed startup and the majority of our customers are small businesses of every dimension who have never had the benefit, quite frankly, of venture funding, they're paranoid about cash and cash management all the time. I think we can agree that Silicon Valley Bank and I'd say companies that have been funded in tech are particularly nervous about their cash management right now.
0: You've done some headcount trims. The sector is looking at headcount reduction how have you managed that? And let, let me ask you very quickly, is that in response to AI and the ability to use AI or is it just a macro issue?
7: Actually for us, it was very simple. The company is uh, tremendously high growth, but we would just want to get more disciplined and create more operating leverage for our own business. And so we're focused on profitable growth, but customer first.
0: Sukhinder Singh Cassidy, CEO of Xero, giving us the global take, what it's like to be a global player in technology. Now, coming up, artificial intelligence company Seeker and acclaimed outdoorsman Bear Grylls are teaming up to combat misinformation in digital spaces. He joins me next to talk about that new collaboration. He's looking at AI and the new survival skill and as we head to break, we're watching shares of Netflix after Citi raised its price target on the stock, saying the streaming service has performed well since announcing that ad-supported subscription plan and the introduction, of course, paid sharing, the password crackdown. City Citi now expects 82 million new subscribers and $10.6 billion of incremental revenue. Based on the more bullish ad-tier estimates, the company increased the price target and opened a, quote, positive catalyst watch ahead of second quarter results. Netflix, yeah, look, we're up four-tenths of a percent in the session. Some valleys around the corner. And I think there's a lot of conversation to be had around the competitive pressures on some of these streamers.
5: What if everyone at work were an expert communicator? What if every doc, message and email they wrote was perfectly clear and concise? Inbox numbers would drop, customer satisfaction scores would rise and everyone would be more productive. That's where Grammarly comes in.
0: Welcome back to Bloomberg Technology. Ed Lovelow here in San Francisco, thinking about the markets. And look, we're treading water. Think about the Nasdaq 100, very tech-heavy index, basically flat, up three tenths, up 0.03% uh, in the session. The story is really about the Fed and traders betting that we will get two rate hikes by year end. That sent yields higher. Sometimes, when yields push higher, you look at those stretch valuation tech names on the Nasdaq 100. We see them come down, but we are essentially flat. Some names in the green, some names lower. I'm checking Apple, up two-tenths of 1%. $190.70 a share would give Apple a market cap of $3 trillion. We are on watch for that, but some way off it, we need a few-tenths of a percent more of a gain to see that. JD.com, a US-listed shares of the Chinese company, moving to the downside, down 2%. Its founder has registered to sell stock. That may be having an impact. And Microsoft, also interesting. The big news story this uh, Thursday is that Microsoft and OpenAI are going to help Moody's investor services build a generative AI tool for use in Moody's customers. Not doing much to boost the stock up two tenths of 1%, just flagging it as an example that some of the AI headline hype is not necessarily moving the needle when it comes to these equity markets. Now. I wanna take a moment to quickly highlight some of the content coming from Bloomberg Originals. On tonight's episode of The Circuit, Emily Chang meets with Haley Bieber, who talks about founding her skincare company, Road, the bubble of celebrity beauty brands, and social media backlash.
3: I do feel like there was a fatigue. I felt like when I announced the brand, of course, there was people that were like, oh, here we go, here's another one. And I'm like, I get that, I understand. I'm also coming from the point of view where I'm like, Trust me, I know, but this is my approach and it is different to other people.
0: To watch more of that interview with Haley Bieber, watch The Circuit with Emily Chang tonight, 10 p.m. in New York on Bloomberg Television, or stream it from 8 p.m. Eastern on Bloomberg Originals. Let's get back to Bloomberg Technology and AI. One of the fears behind fully embracing artificial intelligence, is the spread of dis and miss information. It's part of why digital AI company Seeker and acclaimed survivalist, Bear Grylls, have committed themselves to giving young people the tools necessary to make informed decisions about online content. I'm delighted to say that joining us now is Bear Grylls, TV host, and of course, author of You Versus the World, the Bear Grylls Guide to Never Giving Up. Let's get right to it, Bear. I know you as somebody who advocates the importance of survival skills. Why is computer literacy or even engagement with AI the next survival skill to your mind?
6: Because I think young people need to be empowered with modern-day survival skills that are going to be relevant for their life and empowering for their life. And in terms of survival, you're not going to get more of a Wild West frontier than helping kids decipher and discern and be wise and be smart about information, about where they're sourcing information from. And, you know, I think we've never had a time in history where it is so challenging for young people to be smart, to be empowered, to be digital survivors, to be digitally literate uh, and to have an understanding of what is real and what is, you know, propaganda or misinformation. So Seeker speaks to that uh i'm really proud to partner with them because we built this whole thing called mission seeker uh it's all about helping young people uh go on their own little adventures uh whether it's a humanitarian thing or whether it's an environmental thing and build this community uh but through this process we're trying to help them learn skills uh they're going to be really powerful and relevant for their life and seeker's clever you know they they kind of they score the reliability uh, of all the sourcing of information and and try and use ai in a positive way uh, to help young people
0: bear what are the basics from a technology standpoint if i'm a young explorer how do i engage with mission seeker what is it that i'm doing literally at the computer or on my smartphone
6: well first of all Seeker is 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 a search engine you know that's what it is a search engine that's family friendly it's for young people and it's going to use this ai technology to help score the reliability of information coming in, everything from clickbait to sourcing to transparency, all of that. And then within that, we've built this mission seeker dot uh, com, which is basically it's like an education adventure platform for young people to share their adventures. Uh, so it's a sort of a, it's a motivating thing to get young people to be able to then use the Seeker technology uh, in their life. But we've got some great young ambassadors leading the way for us, uh, who are already out there shooting really fun uh, humanitarian and environmental missions. And every month we're going to set a new one, and people all around the world have started. Uh, to get involved with this, to shoot the, and film their own little adventures and build this community. And like I say, you know, it's trying to do something good in this AI space where you obviously hear a lot of negativity and, you know, right. AI is, is going to be so dangerous. And of course, new technology, everyone's always nervous of new technology. Nobody likes change, do they? Apart from a baby with a wet diaper.
0: An interesting analogy. Uh, what was the catalyst? I mean, here on Bloomberg Technology, We've been talking about artificial intelligence day day in, day out for a long time. But we recognize that November and ChatGPT becoming available to the public had a global effect. What was
6: it for you that got you thinking that you need to be involved here? Well, often the sort of the things that actually put some, you know, parameters and boundaries and positive, you know, uh, things surrounding technology is always the second phase to come you know the first thing is the technology isn't it and it goes at a million miles an hour and something like chat gbt comes along and everyone's in it and there's there's a good part of that but there's always going to be a bad part as well and you know it really is you know when i say it's a tsunami of information not only coming at young people but also then being generated and put out and uh, and we're sort of trying to then put some tools is tools the right word i suppose it is tools around it to then help kids are smart themselves they know it you know they're 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 much smarter than we often give them credit for but you've got to resource them with the tools to be able to be smart and i think ultimately that's what seeker is about and then mission seeker is about trying to make a a fun adventure platform to bring kids into that space bear grills we are familiar with you
0: Uh, and your programs and your books going out into the wilderness and using as few tools as possible. Um, Paradoxically, I'd like to ask you which artificial intelligence tools you do engage with yourself, how you use the technology in your day-to-day
6: life. Well, first of all, I'm not a kind of a digital dinosaur like that. I'm not like, oh, we got to, we can't. Yeah, you got to, you got to, you got to embrace technology. You got to embrace change. You got to use it. You know, if you think survivors of old, uh, they were always using the latest stuff, whatever would help them. And I think as a modern-day explorer, we need to be the same. As a modern-day survivor, we've got to be part of that. You've got to use technology. Uh, I definitely use AI in, in, in various ways. And I think as a parent, uh, it's our responsibility to provide young people and to provide our kids with, with resources that are really practical and are going to help our kids become digitally smart and literate. So for me, I, I, I use Seeker before we partnered with them, and I thought I really like this. This is actually a family-friendly search engine tool that is doing a lot of the hard work for me, you know, in terms of uh, scoring the reliability of information coming in. Nothing's going to be perfect, but it's, you know, and that that tsunami's coming fast, but it's trying to do something uh, that speaks to that problem, which all of us know is is an issue of young people and, and where they source their information. Uh, Bear Grylls.
0: I was in no way suggesting that you're not a technologist. And when you move into your next initiative and you engage with technology, come back onto the show, onto Bloomberg Technology and discuss it with you, uh, with us. Thank you for your time.
6: I love it, Ed. You take care, my friend. All the best. Thank you.
0: Bye. Now, coming up, we'll stick with AI, but also bring in crypto. And we'll be joined by NFX partner Morgan Bella. More on that next. This is Bloomberg Technology. Let's bring in Morgan Bella, general partner at NFX Capital Management, a VC firm investing in gaming, generative AI, fintech, crypto. The list goes on. She's also the co-founder, of course, of Libra, which was Facebook's own attempt at a cryptocurrency. It is today's VC spotlight. Good to see you.
9: Thank you for having me. Great to see you in person.
0: You, you, uh, we could talk about anything. Let's talk about AI. NFX is, is moving, is acting. On what's happening all around us here in San Francisco, Silicon Valley. How are you doing it from an investment standpoint? Of course.
9: So one question I have and that I've been asking is what does it mean? People are like, are you investing in AI? I'm like, yes. But like what is an AI company in that every company kind of needs to be an AI company? Well, now?
0: people differentiate, though, between AI native and AI adjacent. Is It's Correct. one way of splitting it Correct. up. So for you, what is the priority or what is the focus there?
9: So two different... Answers. One is it feels similar to crypto. So as mentioned, I was spending most of my time in crypto. And when we looked at a crypto company, we always said, what is this company actually? Is it a marketplaces company? Is it a fintech company? Is it a media company for which crypto is... rails that enables it to do something that couldn't be done before and we're viewing ai companies similarly which is what is this actually is it a legal tech company is it a fintech company is it a marketplace company for which they are using ai to do something that hasn't been done before so that's one lens and the second lens is this leapfrogging piece which i will shamelessly show that i wrote about recently which is the concept that ai will move into industries that were or are underserved by SaaS.
0: Let me give me an example, a tangible example. The legal industry, for instance. Okay. Uh, we, we do not uh, pay CEO Josh Browder has been on the show and talks about you know, kind of a similar use case. Your office is in Hayes Valley. We try to make this show global, but what I keep hearing is that everything that's happening in AI is happening here. And we had Gary Tan of Y Combinator on the show two days ago. And he called Hayes Valley Cerebral Valley, because to his mind, all of the talent that are working on LLMs and foundation models and the VCs backing them, you can find in several isolated blocks of that neighborhood. Do you recognize that? Do you agree with that statement?
9: I very much agree with that statement. I didn't know we were going to be talking about Hayes Valley in San Francisco, but I'm very happy to, so.
0: is it a thing, you know, for for the global audience, why are we talking about this tiny neighborhood? in San Francisco, which is a tiny city, geographically.
9: Tiny city, yeah, it's a a tiny neighborhood in a tiny city. So I joined the firm about three years ago, and our office was downtown, so near where we are right now. And with all due respect, we're currently on the Embarcadero, which is a beautiful part of downtown. We were in a less beautiful part of downtown. And I felt very strongly that we had to move the office into a more residential area in the heart of the city because I felt that for the first time, people that were... In San Francisco, were choosing to be here because they wanted to be here versus they had to be here.
0: And this is post-pandemic?
9: This was January 2021. Okay. But that you saw actually the residential areas coming to life in ways that they weren't before. So we spent a lot of time looking for commercial real estate in a residential neighborhood, which is hard to find because of infrastructural reasons in San Francisco. And we landed in Hayes Valley, which, for those who don't know, San Francisco is like a hand, and Hayes Valley is right in the center of the hand. We're currently over here, like along the water. And kind of by luck, I like to think that maybe we welded into existence in some way. Hayes Valley is now known as Three Valley, as you mentioned, which is a comment on all of the AI companies and all of the AI talent that you're seeing. And it really does feel Alive in a way that I haven't seen in a neighborhood in San Francisco, and but I've been here for ten that years. In real
0: terms, a lot of people that watch Bloomberg Technology are founders, early stage or otherwise. They are investors and VCs. They're just people that enjoy technology. And the way that Gary Tam put it is that if you go to—I'm not going to name my favorite—if you go to any cafe in Hayes Valley, well,
9: now you have to tell me your.
0: Oh, after the show that you you can literally bump into a brilliant mind in the field of AI. Is it literally as granular as that? It is
9: literally as granular as that. So you walk around Hayes Valley and you bump into people that are working on interesting things. Like last week, there's a little green area in the center of the center of the neighborhood. And I ran into someone who I knew from the crypto world who was speaking with this AI founder. And then also, like, you'll walk around and literally, like how they talked about in the 90s, you'll see garage doors open and people on their computers. And you'll literally see on the telephone poles, flyers for AI happy hours, AI hackathons.
0: Very quickly, are you seeing the same energy in crypto, which is your background, the same entrepreneurship and and energy?
9: The energy is still there. However, there is this classification of person that my partner, James Currier, calls fruit flies. So the the people who, you know, fly around to the sweetest thing. And I think some of those fruit flies have gone from crypto to AI. To the Hayes Valley comment, though, my partner, James Currier, who moved here... In the 90s, also talks about how Silicon Valley and what brought him here was the creator creator culture and how when you came here, anyone you would bump into at a cafe or on the street was building something and that was really exciting. And then he talks about how it transitioned into the money culture and how everyone you talked to was telling you about their Tesla or Lamborghini or whatever. And it feels like for the first time, he said in the past 30 years, we're back at that creator culture feeling in specifically Hayes Valley, and that's nice to feel.
0: All right, NFX general partner Morgan Bella, good to catch up in person here in San Francisco. Now, coming up, Runway securing an additional $140 million in funding from some big names in the world of tech. We're going to sit down and exclusive with the CEO and Bloomberg's Rachel Metz, who leads the AI charge. That is next. This is Bloomberg.